of Lent 1 through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Babette is one of the most talented chefs in Paris. One day, the authorities kick Babette out of Paris because they believe she's a counter-revolutionary. So she moves to a Danish fishing village whose small religious community is full of pietistic, hard-hearted, Protestant people. Danish Lutherans, actually. The community is marked by one word, get. Get ahead, get back, get even, and whatever you do, get revenge. But the community takes Babette in, and she serves as their maid and cook. Uh, they only want her to serve bland food because, well, that's all they know. That's what happens when people are driven by the word get. Life is bland because the founder of this community has been long dead. It doesn't draw any new converts. And it's just a dying community of white-haired, bland people. But one day, Babette wins the lottery in Paris. Uh, her only, it's her only tie to her former life there. See, she's, she's still got a friend living in Paris that renews her lottery ticket every year, and she finally cashes in. And so she cooks a feast using all of the materials, that, all the food that she can buy and her great culinary skills. She treats the bland religious community to a meal of rare delicacies, excellent wine and some of the best gourmet food in the world. And the community is restored. Arguments are dropped. Past sins are forgiven. And when the evening is finished, they join hands under the stars and sing, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Babette replaces get with give. Babette gives freely. She gives extravagantly. And she gives joyfully. Later, though, the community discovers what Babette had really done. She had spent all her lottery money on this feast. Just one night, all the money gone. She didn't spend just a portion of it like they thought. In doing so, Babette closes the door to her own future. She can never return to Paris. She's broke. And she can never take up a post as a chef at one of the world's leading restaurants because she's still banished. See, Babette gave it all. As we continue our journey with Jesus to places of the Passion, tonight we walk with him to Bethany. In Bethany we meet Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. And who is this Mary? Mary is the Babette of the Bible. So here's the context, right? Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, you heard this a moment ago, Bethany is just a, a mile east of Jerusalem on the slopes of the Mount of Olives, and the Jewish Passover is about to begin, and Jesus is in this little, this little side town. But why this place? There's so many other villages and cities around. Well, because there were no empty hotel rooms in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's population at the time of Christ was about 30,000, which is pretty respectable for 
uh, an old city like Jerusalem, and it's not that big, square footage-wise. So you can imagine people are packed in there pretty tight, and any building that's got some living space is full. During Passover, though, Jerusalem could balloon to roughly 180,000 people. Can you imagine? People would have been packed in every nook and cranny, every hallway, every, every open space. This is why Jesus stayed in Bethany on the outskirts of Jerusalem during Passover week. Now, who else is there in Bethany? Simon the leper. His home is where these events take place that we heard tonight. Simon had been healed of leprosy. So that's rare. I mean, that hardly ever happened. Usually when you got leprosy, you just went downhill from there. You could live a few years, but, you know, you, you, you didn't recover from it. So someone with, who, had, who had had active leprosy would not have had a lot of people show up to their house for dinner. But Jesus is there in Simon's home, and so are his disciples. So is Mary. Normally, women didn't join in these kinds of public events like this. But Mary is there, the Babette of the Scriptures, ready to teach us about one of the greatest gifts in the world, to give. That's the context. And here's the cost. A woman, this is uh, John 12, chapter 12, verse 3, tells us that the, the woman is Mary, came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, pure nard, as some of you may have in some of your uh, Bible translations, also known as muskroot. It's an essential oil, and you can still buy this stuff, uh, but it was very expensive in Judea. Mary poured this on his head as he kicked back at the table. Now, how much did this stuff cost? Well, we're told in John 12, verse 5, that it's worth a year's income. A year's income. The average American today makes about $46,000 a year. Well, depending on where you live. Here in the Portland area, that's practically poverty, but, you know, aside from that, imagine dropping 46000 just like that on a bottle of oil. As everyone in the room watches, though, Mary does two remarkable things. First, she pours out this very expensive perfume on Jesus' head with total abandon. It's the most valuable thing she has. She won't keep it for herself. She will not worship it. She opens it and empties it out to the very last drop. Second, she pours it on his head. And the only people in the Old Testament whose, whose heads were regularly anointed were, were kings. Jesus is a king. Strike that. Jesus is the king, right? That's the main message of Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, he calls him the king of the Jews. Later on in verse 5, refers to Jesus with these words, See, your king comes to you. 
And in Matthew 27, verse 37, records the signs above the Savior's head while he dies on the cross. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Because Jesus is the King, Mary replaces get with give. The context? Bethany during Passover week. The cost? Everything. The comparison. Well, let's look at some of the comparisons. It's between Mary and the disciples. Mary is extravagant. She buys the most expensive type of essential oil. She's excessive. She gives it all. She goes way over the top. And the disciples, what do these guys do? They're indignant, <laughs> saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. The disciples feel undermined, kind of threatened. Their entire service comes crashing down, right? They were mad, upset, all because Mary lives by one word, give. The comparison couldn't be more stark. Mary is generous. The disciples are miserly. Well, Judas is downright greedy. Mary gives with abandon. The disciples are tightwads. Mary sacrifices financially. The disciples are reluctant to give a, a shekel. Mary's actions flow from her faith. The disciples talk a good game, give money to the poor, but Mary loves the word give. The disciples haven't quite learned that yet. And they won't until later in Acts. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Beautiful? Jesus' suffering and the cross, death and burial, is that beautiful? Mary knew about the things which had happened in Matthew's gospel. Uh, this, this Mary, right, she, she knew that another Mary was going to bear a son and that his name was to, to be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This Mary knew that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This Mary had, although she was not in the upper room, we don't believe, she perhaps had heard from the other disciples that Jesus said, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Burial. That implies death. And what a death it would be. Betrayed by Judas, denied by Peter, sentenced by Pilate, scourged by soldiers, mocked by the crowds, abandoned by his father, Christ's death pays for all sin, for all people, for all time, yours and mine. All people, all the time. Mary gives Jesus everything she has. Mary prepares Jesus to give everything he has. 
and the room is, is filled with the smell of this costly, fit-for-a-king essential oil. Now, let's talk about smells for a minute. You know, in church, we try to, you know, God tries to engage all our senses, right? Our, our, our eyes with what we see, our ears with what we hear, and when we have communion, with what we taste. But, you know, rarely in church do we ever get to, to smell anything, right? There are some churches that burn incense to sort of fill the sanctuary with, with the, the smell that perhaps, you know, the Israelites would have smelled in the temple and the tabernacle to engage all the senses. But think about your sense of smell, right? It brings back memories, doesn't it? You might smell your dad's cologne and remember your dad or those days when you were a kid. You might smell your mom's perfume, um, certain smells from the kitchen, food. You know, you might walk down the street and smell something from, I mean, I don't know. You've, you've done that though, right? Your smell can trigger Memories, it can trigger images, it can trigger emotions. Things come flooding back to you. That's also true for Jesus. See, Mary's strong, oily perfume lingers with Jesus throughout Holy Week. Think about it. After she poured this stuff on his head, you think he immediately went and to take a shower and scrub it out with head and shoulders or whatever? No. He had this stuff, this oily ointment on his hair all through the time he was arrested, went to the cross. It was there. He smelled this as he makes his way to the cross. It marked him with one word, give. Mary reminded him that Mary gave this expensive gift to him and he would give a very costly gift to her and the whole world. Matthew 26, verse 13 says, Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Why is that? Because the kingdom of God isn't, what, isn't about hoarding and stockpiling. The kingdom of God isn't about being chintzy and cheap. The kingdom of God isn't about get, you know, for me or you. Get will kill us. Always and forevermore, God's kingdom is about one word, give. Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Mary, the Babette of the Bible. This Mary shows us that the kingdom of God is about giving generously, giving joyfully, and giving completely. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus doesn't say this about anyone else in the New Testament. Thanks to Mary, we can boil life down to one simple word, one word with one syllable, one powerful and life-changing word, give. It's the most life-changing word on this planet. Because the creator of this planet has given everything for you and to you. Amen.